Welcome to the podcast. First podcast of 2023. Yeah, it is first podcast of 2023. Happy um, New Year to all of our Happy listeners. New Year. It's one of those awkward things where it's like, at what point is it too late to wish people Happy New Year? I think you can wish Happy New Year for all of January. Well, duh, but like... If we, well, duh, it. you're the one who asked the question. I mean, but it's like, oh, I haven't seen this person all year and it's July. Oh, long time no see. Happy New Year's. No. Okay. Well, we may have some new listeners, new listeners, new year. So podcast, we are a show all about pets, veterinary medicine, all things animals. My name is Dr. Lauren Edelman. I am an internal medicine specialist, veterinarian, and pet lover. And I'm also a pet lover and co-hosting the show with my lovely wife. My name is David Epstein. I'm an actor and voice actor and a hype man for the lady to my left. And the reason why I'm more uncomfortable in this chair than usual, <laughs> uh, if you didn't tune in the last episode, David and I announced that we are expecting a little baby girl in April, which we're really excited about, but I'm definitely starting to feel the aches and pains of that. So it's we're gonna a new do adventure. A, and stay tuned because we might do a whole episode on animal gestation. <laughs> and right now... <laughs> That's our intro for that teaser. So not today, though. Today, our show is all about kind of cold, cold weather. If you've turned on the news lately, at least if you're in North America, you've probably noticed there's been cold fronts all across the nation and cold weather does affect pets. So we're going to kind of make that our focus for today. It affects humans, too. Let me tell you that personally. <laughs> I do not like the cold. <laughs> David is not a cold lover. But before we get started or dipping into the cold, I think we have some trivia from last week that people probably want to know the answer to, David. We sure do. And I will recap the question and you will answer it. How's that sound? Sure. Sounds good. So we asked you, our faithful listeners, what color is a hippo's sweat? Is it clear, white, black, or red? What's the answer? The answer is red. So... This is actually something I didn't know, but hippos actually have something called blood sweat, where it actually looks like they're dripping blood when they're sweating down their faces, but they're not bleeding. I guess there's a pigment that has been appropriately, appropriately named hipposuduric acid that is something that actually turns red in their sweat, and it's apparently a defense mechanism, um, and so that is really creepy, in mm. my opinion. Hippos are scary enough as is. If you didn't know it, they're one of the most dangerous animals in the world. They are. Especially the wild versions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, when I went to the Calgary Zoo not too long ago, there's a really sweet hippo there, and I uh, I brushed that hippo's teeth. She was really sweet. Are they full? This is a stupid question. They're full racks of teeth? Because you only see usually, like, the the, the fangs. No, they're, they had full teeth. And then we tossed, like, a watermelon in her mouth, and she would just crush it. Yeah. So, like, that could be your head easily. Yeah. Yeah. Hungry, hungry hippos. Yeah, so I don't know how much defense these hippos need. They're kind of beasts. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely are. Well, I think actually as well, that sweat, um, part of the reason for its thickness, it also protects them against the sun. Yeah, it's like mucus. It's, it's a mucus. Yeah, so it's... Uh, but creepy. Can you imagine like me giving birth and I'm like pushing this baby out and like having blood sweat? Hun, our faithful listeners don't <laughs> want to know about this. Okay, moving on. We'll cut that one. <laughs> 
Okay, David, do you have a news story for us today? Yeah, I do. And it's actually, I mean, what a perfect um, segue where we're talking about animals and the cold. Uh, So just recently, uh, 700 bats were nursed back to health and released into the wild in Texas. So days before Christmas, uh, temperatures reached frigid lows in Texas, and uh, the Texas Humane Society, the, her lead, Mary Warwick, uh, instantly got nervous that these bats were not going to be thriving um, and actually found over 1,500 bats that had fallen to the ground. So what's happening in, uh, in these bats is because they are so little body fat, when their body temperatures plummet, they are unable to hold on to their roost, and hundreds of of these bats were falling 15 to 30 feet to the ground. I'm not laughing at the bats. I'm just laughing at like... I know. Yeah, I, you think I'm long-winded, but... <laughs> David tells the most long-winded stories. So I guess bats then, because I think about, well, what? why not the other birds? But, you know, I guess bats are just more acclimated to warm climates? G- good question. I don't have the answer to that. All I know is that because they had these these drops from their roost, now all of a sudden there's these bats that are, are on the ground um, and they, they were struggling to survive on the ground. The good news was is it only required a little bit of heating and hydration to jumpstart most of their systems and get them back up to be able to fly into their, their nests and, and whatnot. torture people and give them rabies. <laughs> these are some sad bats. This is, um, but What a warm... For, for, the, for the bats that were not... This is the, what's cute about the story, though, okay. is for the bats that were not instantly jump-started and, and getting back to it, uh, they needed a little bit of extra work. Some bats were put into incubators. But Mary Warwick actually kept hundreds of these bats in dog kennels in her attic so that they could be uh, rehabilitated. And the biggest challenge of it all is that because bats uh, typically eat well in flight, they would need to be force-fed um, while they were in rehabbing. So 700 have currently been uh, released. Very few of them uh, died from the fall, and now it's just about getting everyone ba- out and back into their uh, into the skies. What a great story, David. Beautifully, very concise, nice story <laughs> about bats. Although I will say, bats are very cute. I like bats. Like, if you actually look at their little faces, they look like chihuahuas. I, I disagree. I do not like them, and I don't, I, I, I'm an animal lover, but that's the one animal that gives me the heebie jeebies. Yeah, so I mean, I, I feel like you were giving me a hard time about my bat story, but truth be told, there is a moral to that story, and it is that. The rapidly changing climates that we have are a huge crisis, not only for bats, but for all animals. And it's not just the cold, but the heat. I know bats are dealing with overheating, uh, lack of their food sources. Also, wildfires are just damaging animal habitats galore. And then for, for bats as well. substantial rainfall also means sweeping out root systems and caves and whatnot. So, In a very long-winded way, what you're saying is climate change affects the survivability of various species. Well said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With that said. With that said, let's talk about some cold weather tips. So as I alluded to earlier, um, you know, in Texas and other places, there's these cold fronts, you know, sweeping across North America and not just leaving people vulnerable, but also 
dogs and cats as well. And so I think a lot of us are aware of kind of the risks of warm weather when it comes to our pets, leaving pets in hot cars, overheating, heat stroke. But I think a lot of people don't realize that cold weather can also pose serious threats to pets. Well, okay. So that said, is there anything that comes to to mind in terms of of things to look out for and be careful about with cold weather and how we can make sure that our animals are staying safe. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things. I think the first kind of misconception, it's a common belief that because uh, pets have fur and they're wearing a fur coat that they're more resistant to cold than people are. Uh, But that's not really true unless you're like a northern breed bred for the cold, like a husky or a malamute. You know, those dogs for sure. They they are definitely bred for the cold. But your average dog and cat is still susceptible to cold weather, uh, you know, frostbite, hypothermia, all the same things people are. And for the most part when it's really cold outside uh dogs and cats should be kept inside uh especially when it's below freezing and what would you say about in terms of of exercise for animals and getting them out during these tough times of year yeah i mean i think it's unrealistic to think that just because it's cold out you can just like keep your dog or cat inside for the most part you know if you have a cat that's amenable i think that's a good idea but if you have your you know big chocolate lab that's like a hyperactive little 10 month old puppy it's going to be hard to keep them inside so i think it's really important just to know their limits just like with people elderly animals are going to be more susceptible to damaging effects from the cold elderly pets are also going to be more likely to slip on ice and Mm. things like that and fracture bones you know we all hear about grandma who slipped on the ice and broke her hip same thing goes for dogs as well also dogs that have various medical conditions so diabetics dogs with Cushing's or thyroid disorders um, those type of pets will also have difficulty just physiologically regulating their temperature and so if you are going to take those pets outside limit their time outside and make sure they're dressed appropriately. So you definitely want to have them in, you know, coats and... and So you mean those cute little uh, puffy jackets aren't just for the uh, appreciation of their owners thinking they're extra cute. There's there's a reason behind yeah, them. Yeah, there's a legitimate reason behind them. I mean, yes, fashion in pets is like amazing and it's one of my favorite things, but it does serve a purpose in cold weather. <laughs> it's one of weather. your favorite things. I love that. Well, I know that you have that one patient that comes in in a new outfit and a new dress every every time that she comes in. Yes, I have many patients. I, patients get bonus points with me when they come dressed up, but yes, it is very cute. <laughs> they even make little like toques where you put the little ears yeah. through for dogs. And the other big thing, not just a jacket or a sweater, but but booties. So okay. so booties, you know, can be really good to train your dog to know how to wear. Now that said, so booties for for those who don't know, they're they're little kind of shoes that would go on the pads to protect the feet. Yes, correct? they did. They are, but they're not. I mean, I don't know if everyone's had a chance to actually put them on to try and get them on a dog and get them to successfully walk. And do you have any tips on how to avoid the? Uh, It's hard. I mean, I will say neither of our dogs were booties, so I can preach this all I want, but um, they hate them. Yeah. And I think it depends. Like, if you could train them from when they're puppies, that's obviously anything you can do from the time that they're young, that's better. But just lots of positive reinforcement. And I think there are some dogs that are just smarter than others, too. They realize when they go outside, you know, the reason why we recommend wearing booties is because there's lots of dangerous things outside during cold weather. The Mm -hmm. cold itself is one thing. You know, the ice can be very cold on their feet. 
but people use a lot of de-icers, a lot of chemicals, salt, that if that gets between their paws, that can actually be very painful for them. I don't know if you remember, we were walking Freddie the other day and we, there was some blue stuff in the ice That's a or in the snow. It was a de-icer and he started limping. Yep. And that's because it kind of burns them. And so, you know, there's a reason for getting them trained to do so. Now, if your pet won't wear booties, another good alternative, not quite as good, but would be to use, they have almost like a protective um, palm, like a, a cream that you put on okay. them. To, and we do have that in our drawer, just so you know, <laughs> to protect their paws from those things. And then clearly when you get inside, probably the best thing you can do is wash their paws and wipe down, not just their paws, but you know their underbelly and areas that might've been exposed to salt and de-icers. And can those leave lasting? damage like is that going to eat away at their skin or is it just kind of a burning sensation that once it's wiped off it should be fine well it can cause a lot of irritation and then if they start licking at their paws then sure you can create like hot spots and infections and then certain products um you know i think we think of antifreeze as probably the most poisonous product that's related to the cold it can cause kidney failure that is almost invariably fatal Mm. in dogs and cats um and when antifreeze say it's even just on the ground like a spill if dogs lick their paws even a small amount can cause serious damage so antifreeze you want to keep away from pets if you have a spill you want to clean it up but yeah so there is more reason to clean their paws than just a mild irritation Okay, that's that's great to know. And then that said, do we should we be looking for any specific products and and avoiding cleaning or or de-icing them in your yeah there's definitely pet safety uh, pets or pet safe products out there when it comes to de-icers you'll often see it on the bag also if you're using an antifreeze um ethylene glycol is the toxic ingredient propylene glycol which is an alternative antifreeze is less toxic it's still toxic but it often is not as fatal as ethylene glycol okay Say that three times fast. Ethylene glycol, propylene glycol, <laughs> ethylene glycol. You know, the, the crazy thing is the treatment for ethylene glycol toxicity when it's caught early enough is actually alcohol, like actual alcohol intravenously to basically try and get, it's, it's the antidote for pro, for ethylene glycol toxicity. So if you go into a veterinary hospital and you see like a big bottle of Smirnoff in the ICU, I guarantee I'm not joking, most veterinary bo- uh, hospitals have this because we basically give it IV. We give like vodka IV. Wow. So you are going to make the dog drunk in doing so, but potentially save their IV, life. IV, alcohol IV. I'm sure that there's some partiers right now in downtown that would probably be down for that little IV of Smirnoff and I kid you not. At our hospital, we have dialysis. So that's going to be usually what we'll go for is okay. true. But most hospitals don't have dialysis. Um, and so, yeah, IV Do vodka. different dogs, you know, opt for different types of alcohol? <laughs> Whiskey dogs. I mean, maybe tequila. Grey Goose might be a bit expensive. I know if it was your parents, they'd probably want Grey Goose. <laughs> but uh, you never know. That's Okay, though, that's a really cool fact. Yeah. Um, now, we always hear about not leaving a car, uh, a warm car with a dog in it. Is there any curious, if we have any issues with leaving a dog in a cold car? Yes. 
the so same holds true. A hot car, I mean, we've all seen the videos. A hot car can become much hotter than the outside environment very quickly. Um, it acts as like it's a heater in there. And have you ever noticed sometimes you'll be outside walking and you go into your car and it's literally freezing cold? It totally. feels colder than the outside. It is true. Your car can actually act like a refrigerator in cold temperatures, often dropping lower than outside temperatures. So it is not a good idea to go grocery shopping and leave your pet in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually was I was talking on the radio about this to um, to someone, and they the host said he had done that when he came back. His dog was shivering, and he felt so guilty. But it's true. Like, do not leave your pet in hot cars. Do not leave your pet in cold cars. Good to know. And then we're talking a little bit about cats and dogs. How about just outdoor animals? Are we as people who share their habitats responsible for their well-being during during cold spells? Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing you can do in terms of wildlife because your car engine tends to stay warm, whether it's cats or other wildlife, they tend to try and go under your car, like under the hood where the engine is to stay warm. And so a really common thing is that people will start their car and not realize there's an animal under there and that can cause serious injury. So one of the few things you can do when you're um, when you're getting into your car is just tap the hood. That way, if there's anything under there, they'll kind of come out before you start the car. Hmm. So that's probably the number one thing you can do to help protect wildlife and outdoor pets. Tap those hoods. Tap those hoods. Do your animals goods. (laughs) All right. When we come back, we are going to finish off with some trivia. All right. We're back, and I'm ready to have a hot chocolate and warm (laughs) up. I'm feeling cold. (laughs) I'm actually quite excited. Um, I got a a bunch of mint peppermint uh, white chocolate, and I'm kind of curious to try out a peppermint hot chocolate yeah that's really common i know but never made from home okay well you're making me that tonight i'm going to me and the beba all right david finish us off with some trivia this is actually i'm so happy i came across this this has been a question that i've always kind of asked as a joke but there's an answer to it now and it's a true or false one okay and that is do animals in different regions have different accents True or false? So actually it would be animals in different regions have different accents, true or false. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that. that is how the question should be posed. Clearly I haven't written a lot of tests <laughs> in my day. David, the haven't, been to, haven't been to vet school. Yeah. So. Okay, that's an interesting one. Hmm, I don't know. Let us know what you think. Comment. Send in your guesses. Maybe you're smarter than we are and already know the answer. That's it for our very cold episode this week. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can follow us on YouTube and download us wherever you get your podcasts. I am Dr. Lauren. I'm David. And And this this is is the the podcast. podcast. (laughs) What was that one? That was was an owl.